welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edman, and I am joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. So, one thing we've never spent a lot of time talking about on the podcast is the high-end accessory market. You know, we talk about the leather cases and all that, but when I'm talking high-end, I mean, we're getting into handcrafted. I think we talked about something along these lines around Christmas this last year, but that's the only time we've mentioned it. Probably for the, the gift for the guy that saved your kid from drowning. Yeah, exactly. Something along those lines. Well, our guest this week is Shane Kimbrough. And hi, yep. Shane. Hello. And what's the name of your company? Cigarpins.net. And Shane, we're going to put some pictures on Instagram of the pins that Shane makes. And they're just amazing. He came by the shop last week, showed them to us. But we're going to get into all that. But first, we got a lot of cigar. All right, let's do it. Put a Hoya Silver in my locker. I am so excited to find out what you think about that. Uh, it is. So it's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. It's a Mexican San Andreas binder, which I'm used to a lot of San Andreas wrappers, but San Andreas binder has me, it has my ears perked up. I don't think that's anything I've ever seen before. And then it's Nicaraguan fillers. So I'm very excited to give this cigar a taste. This will be the... When he put it in the locker, I said, I can't smoke it till I'm on the show. I've got to save this for the show when I can thoroughly enjoy it. He was supposed to save one of those for me as well. I haven't seen one yet, so I'm hope. I, I guess maybe he just knows that you're the Drew Estate guy and just kind of threw it your way, but well, I can't he, wait to find out what you think about he it. Had it. Okay, he put it in my locker, and it had this weird note that said Trey on it, but I just threw that away. <laughs> yeah, that, um, I think you, you <laughs> keep did the right moving. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just keep on moving with life, you know. <laughs> but, but I, but I did, of course, bring you a cigar. You did, and I'm actually really excited about this. I've been smoking a lot of AJ Fernandez lately, uh, mostly because I've kind of changed my midday cigar shop, and I can I get a lot more AJ Fernandez at the new, at the new shop that I'm going to, and so I'm really excited about this. Is the Monte Cristo crafted by AJ Fernandez? I love everything that AJ does. For the sheer purpose of it's raw, it's a little on the bitter side, but in a good way, and it's got tons of flavor, typically at a pretty reasonable price point. Now, this being a Monte Cristo label, it's closer to the $12 range, but I'm really looking forward to this. It's a um, also a San Andreas binder and filler from Nicaragua, U.S., and Honduras. So it's got a little bit of everything going on in it. So when we talk about that cigar, it's interesting because the reason I brought that cigar is I bought a box of them having never smoked one because Casa de Monte Cristo on Groupon had a Groupon where they were like $4 each. And I said for a box of 10 was like $42. Oh, wow. I said for $4 each on Groupon, I am not going to miss that cigar. So I went ahead and bought it. And I have been shocked how much I've enjoyed that cigar. Really? I, I wish I'd bought another Groupon and went and got another box. And <laughs> I have still a feeling mine. I'm going to feel the same way. Yeah, it's just, it's a great smoke. It's really complex. Um, not a lot of pepper, but a lot of strength. It's just an outstanding smoke as it comes to that. But this Hoya Silver at first blush, I'm just getting it lit. I really like the feel right on the front of my tongue. I'm getting a little of that Nicaraguan tobacco. Yeah. I can't wait to get it warm and really see what it's going to do. Hoy is one of those for me that really likes that getting past that first inch. 
once you get past that first inch, you get all of the flavor that cigar has to, has to offer, but it takes it a second to warm up. So let's talk to Shane for a little bit. Yeah, we actually have a yeah. guest who's not smoking for the first time. This is a, <laughs> this is a rare treat. Yeah. Well, and we do, we encourage all our guests, enjoy your cigar your way. In, even if that way is not at all. So, sure. Or writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I write with mine. Yeah, so talk to us. So you make uh, ballpoint and fountain pens that look like cigars. Yes, yes. To the point where I am... Um, trying to fool the person that is in a cigar, cigar aficionado in believing that this is actually a real cigar. So to the color of the, the wrapper, to the length, to the girth, to the everything. One of the things that, that you we were talking about before the show that I think kind of sets you apart from some of the other people I know doing this is that you said that you actually look up the cigar to get the ring gauge and the length and the size appropriate to the cigar you're trying to make. I think that's something that is probably unique to you. Uh, I think everyone is handmade at that point exactly for that specific cigar. So I look up, um, you know, where the label is on the cigar, how the labels are presented, if it's a figurado or if it's a round in or a bellicoso or whatever, uh, and, and how it's presented. I try to present it exactly the same way. Well, as I've, so let's get into the definition here. You have carpenters. I consider myself a carpenter. I can build a deck. I can frame a house. I can do a lot of things like that. Then you have woodworkers. Now, these are guys that can build furniture and everything like that. And then you have wood turners. Yes. <laughs> and Settle in, folks. It's about to get nerdy. <laughs> well, I'll try, I'll try to break this down. So think your carpenters are the general practitioners of the world. And then your woodworkers they're the surgeons but then your wood turners are the brain surgeons <laughs> so this is the highly specialized of the highly specialized yeah more of your finish carpenter kind of guy you yeah know, or your cabinetry upper end cabinetry <laughs> yeah it's kind of a almost an art more than anything just right. because you got to have a feel for it you got to have a feel for the machine um, I love, I had a jet mini lathe. I love turning wood. I loved doing that. I never had the time to sink into it that I wanted to. Yeah. And how many years have you been doing it? Uh, about 10 and a half years. Yeah. So what first got you started? Well, I was, uh, I got some wood from my granddad's property. And I was um, excited to make my newborn daughter a little toy chest little toy chest out of this walnut from my granddad's property. And uh, so my dad and I get out there. We plane this wood down, and, and uh, we make a chest out of it. And it ended up being beautiful, and we loved it. And uh, my sister said, hey, I've got a son. Can you make me one of those? Because it's heirloomish type wood. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. So then my nephew and then my sister, my other sister, everybody in the family is like, uh, can you make an entertainment center out of it? Can you make? <laughs> now the barn is just a couple of toothpicks. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what was happening. And so uh, someone said, you should turn pins for everybody in the family. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to turn pins, and, uh, but I'll, I'll check into that. And so about that same time, the school that I teach at or taught at at the time, they had three gym floors, one on top of the other, and they were they were tearing all of that up and throwing it away. And they uh, it was Goodlettsville Middle School, it used to be Goodlettsville High School, and uh, they were throwing the 1940, the 1950, and the 1973 floor in a big dumpster. So, oh. 
and I thought, hey, I've got eight friends that work at this school that uh, I, I really enjoy their friendship company and all. I'm going to make them something cool, and I'll learn how to make pens in the process, and then I'll make them for my family. And, and that's how it started. I just started it with a gym floor. Were you already turning at that point? Not at all. That's what got you started. I went down to Woodcraft. <laughs> they had a class, and I thought, hey, I'll take a class on how to turn pins. And I bought a lathe, uh, chisels, a grinder, bought everything that night. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I have such respect for people that can turn on a lathe. I want a lathe so bad I can't stand it. Uh, let me tell you, yes, you do. <laughs> they are so fun. It's lathe therapy. It oh, I bet. It's so fun. It's enjoyable. I, I find myself getting lost on YouTube, just going down the rabbit hole, watching these master craftsmen yes. turn things on a lathe and just create beautiful works of art out yes. of nothing. And, and it, it's incredible. I find myself doing that, too. <laughs> Still. <laughs> well, and it's an yeah. amazing resource, YouTube. You can find a video on how to do anything. You anything. Know. <laughs> um, doing you know workout programs and all that you can always find a video illustrating the best way to do the exercise or the worst way oh absolutely yeah i was anything from exercise to coding to sewing i mean it's it's everything and i think it's a great resource i've been a youtube mechanic uh in my own garage yeah (laughs) like how do you do this well let's look it up okay so how big a chunk of wood do you start with to make because most of the pins that he's got presented here and like i said we'll put them on instagram most of the pins he's got presented here are about six by sixties, about six inch by sixty ring gauge, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'll and ring gauge. I know you're not a big cigar guy, so when we say ring gauge, sixty ring gauge is one inch, and it's in increments of one sixtieth from there on down. Sixty four, sixty fourths. Yeah. yeah, is one inch. Yeah, sixty four, sixty fourths. Yeah, sixty-four, 64ths. yeah uh-huh. so it's yeah. correct. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I go through it. Forty eight, sixty fourths is seven hundred and fifty thousandths, or three quarters of an inch. And so if I do a, you know, a 52, 652, it's six inches long and 718 thousandths of an inch. So I'll take my, my calipers and I'll go down, I'll sand down to 718 thousandths of an inch and put this pin together at that level. <laughs> so Have you ever made a box press? I can't do that. <laughs> a lathe doesn't turn things square. It's only round. Like a box press would be easy. You just yeah. run it through the bandsaw. Yeah, you just uh, run you, it through you the sand. Sand it a little, you're there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's the direction I would go. Uh, yeah. Right? yeah. If your lathe is off, if it's wobbling, maybe you could get that, that rounded yeah. corner. <laughs> yeah, get that filleted corner off. Yeah. But I start with a five-quarter wood, an inch and a quarter. They call it five-quarter, and I have, I have to go look for um, this strange word in the woodworking world. It's called uh, crotch wood. Now, walnut crotch wood, and it's pretty expensive. Uh, walnut is usually about $6 a board foot. Uh, that's uh, one foot by one foot by one inch thick. So $6 a board foot. Crotch wood walnut is way more. And to find a really nice uh, crotch wood piece of walnut is, uh, is, you know, it costs a little bit of money. So Now, is it already kiln dried when you get it, or is it? I usually cut down. I'll, like When I'll see walnut trees being cut down, I usually go talk to the, the, the tree surgeon or the person that's throwing it into the ditch. Say, right. hey, can I have that? And I'll actually cut it up myself, and I'll dry it, air dry it. You get more rich color if you don't, um, if you don't just throw it through a kiln. And, uh, and that, you dry it at a certain way. You want to turn the wood when it gets to a certain moisture level. So you're looking, you know, if it's too wet, it's going to warp. If it's too dry, it's not going to. You want it to be a certain, you know, on the barometer, a wood barometer. Uh, you know, they, you stick these two little needles in the wood, and you'll see what uh, moisture content is. 
I need one of those for my cigars. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking, I could jab this cigar. It's These like... worlds cross over. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, so you go from gym floors to cigars. How did you get onto this as, as kind of a niche piece of the market? A good buddy of mine owns the driving school that I teach at, and uh, it's my second job. And uh, great guy. And uh, uh, we were talking cigars one day, and, and uh, I was uh, happened to be turning a walnut bowl at the time. It was a, a natural edge walnut bowl, and I was, it was a crotchwood piece, you know, and it was probably about a 13, 14-inch round bowl, and I was keeping the end uh, on the one side in there so that I could, you know, have a little support on the rear on the tailstock. And I'm coming in, and I had this kind of cylindrical piece of wood, and I thought, hey, that, that's got some really cool grain in it, and I'm going to save that. So uh, I finished making the bowl. It turned out great, and it was cool. So I, I throw this little piece of wood on the lathe, and I, sh- I trim it down to a, a pin size, you know, just a little little bigger so I can cut it and put tubes in it and all. And uh, I got busy with something, so I set it up on my, my toolbox. Come back in three or four days later because I can't, you know, work every day in the wood shop, you know. Uh, about three or four days later, and I thought, whose cigar is that in my shop? <laughs> like, who put a cigar out here? And uh, I'm like, oh, that's that piece of wood. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks just like a cigar. And it hit me. Kind of the bell kind of rang. Like, I think I can make a pen that looks like a cigar. That'll be fun. It's a creative outlet, you know. Yeah. And when I teach teenagers all day, every day. I work six days a week, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'm either teaching, you know, five to fifth grade to eighth grade, you know, kids how to play instruments, or I'm teaching 14 to 18-year-olds how to drive, you know, about 60 hours a week. So this lathe turning is... Which is more dangerous to your health? It's a good question. (laughs) That's a good question. I've been in band for a long time when I was in high school. I'm not sure which would be worse. Yeah, well, I really love teaching band. I get to teach music, and I'm teaching music to kids that want to be good musicians, and that's I love that. If driver's egg goes wrong, it's at least a quick, painless death. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you get that one dude that's never going to make the clarinet sing. Exactly. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh, lathe is definitely lathe therapy at that point because, you know, you're, you need something to turn the motors off in your brain and do something that you just, with your hands. It really, it really is good for that. So. And we, we've talked about on the show before many times that that's, that's kind of what this show is for us as well. You know, it's that creative outlet. It's yes. that somewhat mindless just ability to kind of unplug and disengage and kind of unwind. Yes. Enjoy it. Everyone needs a hobby. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's interesting. I was actually discussing the other night. I promised myself I was going to quit saying it's interesting so much on the show. <laughs> We're going to have to get a bell you ring every time I say it's interesting so that I can quit <laughs> saying that. Because listening back to the show, I realize I say that way too often. Do you re- I haven't even noticed. Yes. Yeah. So the other day, we were actually having a conversation in the cigar lounge here. And there's, there's some guys here that come here that they'll never have to worry about another nickel in their life. You know, money will never be an issue. And they're just not happy. And it's because they don't have that hobby. They don't have that passion that just drives them on. That something extra that they can go home and do that's creative and brings joy to others. Because, I mean, there's a lot of joy in hand. You know, I get a lot of joy when I hand a set of house plans to a customer and they're, yes, this is my dream house. Yeah. Yeah. And if only I could afford it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes you proud of what you do. You enjoy what you do, and you, you do it well. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big part of it, and I think that that is a key to a man's happiness is being able to really 
hone in on that particular part. Yeah. Which now pins ain't the only thing you make. Our little <laughs> he made us some cigar rests, everyone. And again, we'll put pictures on. But I've used a cigar pick well for as long as you've known me, right, Trey? Yeah. And basically, you know, if I'm smoking a thirty dollar Padron, I'm paying about fifty two cents a puff. <laughs> so I'm gonna get that thing all the way down to the yeah. point where it's scorching my lips. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I know a lot of people that leave about two inches on their cigar or whatnot, and it it, it always baffles me. I until my fingers or my lips are burning, I'm not putting my cigar down, even if it's a relatively cheap cigar. That's right. I'm, I'm you're missing out on the enjoyment, and so what? Like I said, we'll put post pictures, but basically this just gives you gives you a little bit more hands free option. Yeah, uh, I I've. Your pick is kind of a single. I like this looks. You were talking about like a like one of those corn cob holders. Yes, yeah. Which is a lot safer than the pocket knife I usually use. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really neat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you said the idea for this was born out of this shop. Right? Out of this shop, actually. Yeah, there's a guy named Steve that comes here a lot, and uh, Jeremy Lyon that owns Brentwood Driver Training. Great guys, and, and we talk all the time. And and uh, they were we were we were actually in this shop. And uh, well, Jeremy and, and Steve were in the shop, and I was on the phone with them. <laughs> and they oh. were like, "We got to, we got to come up with something cool like this." And then because uh, they they were looking at uh, basically advancing a number that would be like, "Let's do something that would be really, really convenient," you know. And so we come up with the first idea that they, they were all together, and then the number did not come out; it was all stationary. And then we were like, "We've got to be able to turn these needles inside." And I was like, "Oh, I got that. I, I know what to do." So. Yeah, otherwise, you end up playing Jeopardy, and <laughs> someone ends up going to the, uh, the emergency room. Yeah, yeah two needles hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure you found that out from yeah. experience yeah, along the way. Them in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll stick through. <laughs> that'll stick in a cigar easy. <laughs> we are going to come back and talk to Shane some more, but I do have a few cigar news stories that I do want to hit on the cigar cast. How dare you? I tell you. <laughs> um, first, we'll get the bad news over with. The FDA commenting period ends the 25th of July. So by the time you've heard this show, that will have ended. And, I'll, and basically what it talks about is um, Cigar Aficionado has sent out about 140,000 pre-printed, pre-stamped FDA comment postcards for people to send to the FDA. Um, Which will immediately go in the trash. The government, government themselves has tallied 9,579 comments pertaining to premium cigars. But what this is all about is, and Shane, I don't know how familiar you are with cigar legislation. But, <laughs> <laughs> but basically... As long as they're not legislating as pins, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These cause cancer. <laughs> yeah, all, all cigar pins must be well, blue yeah. ink. Right. Honest, I wouldn't be surprised if something like, given the nature of everything they're trying to do with warning labels and everything, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there was some warning label restriction, if they could get their hands on it. There's yeah. probably not enough money for them to go after it. Oh, but. no. Right. Tell me but, I can't bring it to school. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, what we're trying to get is a premium cigar exemption. The FDA wants to take over the cigar industry. And they'll end up killing so many down-home brands, so many of the brands we all know and love because they just want to overregulate and they really have no place in there so it come from vaping everybody and their brother every hippie in town had a garage full of chemicals that they were making vape fluid mm. and fda said we need to regulate this before it kills us all 
And they said, but these hippies in the garage ain't got no money, so let's go after the cigar industry as part of that. Right. Yep. So, as you can tell, I'm a little biased. Right. <laughs> no, I think that was very fair and balanced. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, when Scott Gottlieb took over the FDA, he is a cigar guy, and he was appointed by Trump. He has a lot of great ideals. He opened this up for a commenting section for cigar retailers to make their case. Why are premium cigars different from cigarettes? Why are they different from vape? Why are they... Why should they be exempt as a product all into itself? Yes. And that period is about to end. So it'll be, we should be seeing some, act, some further action. We haven't given a legislative update in a while, so we should be seeing some further action shortly. And hopefully it's on a positive note. Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping that's the way it goes. Do you goes. think they're really reading those comments and looking at that, or are they just making tally marks? Okay, this reaches this level. It's worth looking at. If it reaches this level, then... It's just a bunch of busybodies and we ignore them. Like, I hate to be cynical like that, but it does make me wonder. So in my heart, I'm going to choose to believe that my government functions the way that the Constitution designed it to. Okay, and that the voice of the head. people will be held. Yes. And in my head, my heart keeps telling it to shut up and <laughs> think that that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> so moving, moving away from that, I have, to, I have to step back away from that now. Um, IPCPR just came to a head, came to a conclusion. Um, Drew, By all accounts, a successful show. Yeah. Drew Estate made a big showing. There's been a lot of the Drew Estate stuff. Uh, my wife actually smoked the Kentucky Fire Cured Sweet. What did she think? She said it was one of the best cigars she had in her life. Really? Which is a big step for her. Considering how much she hates the KFC original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, and um, I got a hit off of it. I took a hit off of hers, and it did have that sweet and tangy barbecue sauce flavor. And if I'll, you're in the right mood for that, I think it could work. Yeah, I think they did. They did a good job. They didn't overdo the sweet in it. They made it just a hint of it, in with that great KFC tobacco, that Kentucky tobacco. Um, if you ever get a chance, Shane, even though you're not a cigar smoker. You need to go to the barn smoker in Kentucky and just see how they make these cigars. Yeah. We go every year, and it's just absolutely beautiful the way they smoke this tobacco really slow for this particular cigar. Well, you piqued my interest with KFC and original recipe and barbecue. I mean, my, I'm, from Nash, I'm from Nashville, and fried chicken is my thing. It, it lives up to that name. It really does. It smells and tastes like you're smoking a campfire. Well, this, this may change things here. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing cigar, and... Um, it's one of those cigars. I know guys that'll smoke it every day, every time they can get their hand on it. I'm not that guy. I got. I'm not either. I'm once every other month, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, it's an occasional smoke for me, and it's a good smoke. But I think if I hit it every day, because there's, you know, when we come back, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some as somebody kind of on the outside of the cig. You're tangentially involved in the cigar industry, right? And I want to talk to you about kind of some of the perceptions you've seen and some of the things and. Some yeah. of the questions you might have, Trey and I would love to delve into that with you a little, especially about yeah. developing palettes and things like that. So we're about to take a quick break. So when we come back, we also have America has retaken the cigar smoking world record from Russia. I'm really interested to hear about And this. a local guy, of all things, a local Nashvilleian who I bet Trey knows oh. is the one who did it. Okay. Well, we'll find out that and more when we come back after this. 
Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. So this week, we're going to talk about a brand new cigar that neither one of us have got to smoke yet. This is something we've been doing a little bit more of lately, and I kind of like it. I'm very excited. So this is the M by Macanudo. It will be Macanudo's first infused cigar. Now, what's the flavor that they're infusing it with? It's just going to have a hint of sweet, so it's just a straight okay. sweet and all. But now, this is the the recipe of this is really interesting. It's composed of an Indonesian basuki wrapper, huh. a binder from the Philippines, and a blend of Nicaraguan and other tobaccos. There's a lot going on in that cigar. There is, and that that's a lot. It's a beautiful cigar. Um, MSRP on the six by fifty seven ninety nine. So we're coming in right under the line. There you go. But really reasonable priced as most of the, you know, Macanudo is kind of an unsung hero of the cigar industry. Absolutely. And they've been around for ages. I'm very excited to see these starting to hit the shelves and starting to come to stores. If you get a chance, grab a M by Macanudo. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, standing across from the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour, Trey Dedman. <laughs> You're going back to wrestling intros? I am. That's, <laughs> that's from the famous superstar Billy Graham. Had an outstanding book about his life in professional wrestling. But all Before the rest. became a pastor? No, they're two different guys. <laughs> two totally different guys. <laughs> At all, but yes, I did go back to wrestling quote as opposed to old song lyric this week for you. Hey, that's fine. And I'll sorry, Shane, I don't have a special intro for you. Yeah. <laughs> but our guest this week coming back with us is Shane Kimbrough. Hello. He makes cigar pins. Yes. Facebook page is cigarpins.net by Shane Kimbrough. And um, you got pictures on there of a lot of the pins you've made. Yes. Uh, Especially the one you made for one of the locals here, Daryl, which yeah. is beautiful in that blue Opus box. Yeah, great guy. He he uh, he, uh, he saw the box and was like, "Yeah, I think I want that." <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, no problem. You got to respect people like that, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe three. Why are you at it? <laughs> one of the things that I like about your pins is that I've seen a lot of people doing this that don't have the ash on the end. Uh, but that's something that you do that's a little bit unique. You said you've got the it's smoked and unsmoked is how you differentiate yes. them. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The uh, the ash um, is my ash has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as you get guess, older, I yeah. Mean. You know, I try to say that clearly. My Gra- ash gravity has, happens. <laughs> nice ash. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I um, uh, my, when I first started making the ash, I thought oh, I gotta I gotta come up with something a little different, and you know. And, and uh, it was a little too clean. And uh, so I started using different kinds of files, like square and round and oval and, and uh, triangular, and to get a different angle in. And I, I burn it, and uh, I burn it several times with actually just whiteout. You know, I, I used to use some whiteout, and I, uh, uh, I try to get different colors of sh- shades of gray, I guess I should say. And, uh, About 50? Yeah, around 50, I guess. 49, yeah. yeah. yeah this Give hits on all levels. Uh, between the ash remark and that, things yeah. are getting and uh, have fun in my garage (laughs) but uh yeah so i get the uh ash uh i try to get a lot of different shades of that uh different colors of all the way from black to white you know and every shade i can in between with different textures and different uh with brushes and sponges and because it's kind of fun you know just to try to make it look like ash and then when it's unsmoked 
Um, you know, it's funny. You've got all this uh, walnut shavings laying around on your lathe when you turn walnut. And so I take it and I grind it and I put a cyanoacrylate glue, CA glue, clear, and I sprinkle the uh, walnut shavings right onto the end and let it dry and it looks just like the end of a cigar. It's really cool. That's an extra attention to detail that I don't see in a lot of the other ones that do the unsmoked finish. It's usually just a flat. Yeah. So that, that extra little attention to detail, I think, makes a big difference. Yeah. And that's fun to do. I enjoy making things look as much like I, a cigar as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much of life is in the details. It's in yeah. taking that extra step, going that extra mile. That's always the difference. Yes. So we got to do a quick cigar update. The Hoya Silver is living up to everything that I expected. If I had to describe it, I would say clean. Okay. It's really just a clean smoke. It's And that's kind of an unusual term for a Hoya. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's not mild. It's got complexity to it, but everything is so crisp, so distinct. The flavors are blended so well. Yeah, I just got to call it clean. I'm, I can't wait for you to smoke one from to get them here and you to smoke one, and see what you think. I am really looking forward to that cigar. I can't wait to give it a try. I know when they when they announced it, I immediately was just that. The, the black and the red are so good that there was really no way they were going to miss on that one. Yeah, the black the red, and the Cabinetta always going to be one of my favorites. Um, I, I may purposely steer the poker pot on Tuesday nights toward the Hoya Cabinetta. Hey, this one's this one's at the right price. When you're feeling particularly lucky? Yes, on yeah. nights that I know I'm going to win, which I go in every night thinking I'm going to win. <laughs> but So what do you think of the Monty by A.J. Fernandez? Uh, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. For an all-Nicaraguan puro, which is what A.J. Fernandez does, I think it takes what he's so good at and just elevates it to that extra Monte Cristo level. It's smoother than his normal stuff, but still has that spice, still has that real bold Nicaraguan flavor. It's a fantastic cigar. Yeah, the and the deal they had on them, be able to pick up a box of them for that is because you can buy the Groupon, and if you're on Groupon email every now and then, they'll send you texts that extra 15% off. Oh, wow. So you can go in there and, you know, I think I paid, like I said, $42 for a box of 10. And that's, yeah, I mean, because I think retail, what I saw was about 120 for a box of 10. So oh, yeah. I'd have no trouble paying 12 bucks for that cigar. No, I wouldn't either. And that's rare coming from us. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're pride ourselves on the... We're on notoriously the- cheap. Yeah, he won't say it. I'll say it. Well, I, I appreciate your attention to detail and your ability to describe how a, a cigar tastes. I mean, this is uh, this is intriguing, and this is I like attention to detail in woodworking, but your attention to detail in your dis- description of what you're tasting is is really cool. I'm going I, to take a picture of you sliding Shane a fifty for uh, perfectly segueing <laughs> us into yes. the next topic you wanted to talk about. For, for bringing us right into the perfect moment. And I'll, But before we go to that topic, I've got, okay, I teased it before the break, and I've got to talk about the Americans retaking cigar-smoking world record from Russia. Okay. Now, explain what the world record is, first and foremost. So the cigar-smoking world championship Basically, in the I, forgive me, the article I have does not give the exact ring size dimensions of the cigar. I believe it's a petite Corona, but it's a forty-five minute cigar by all accounts. Yeah, 
And it's who can smoke that cigar for the longest without it going out, without having to relight it. Who can make that cigar last the longest? I think you have to puff. Um, what do you have to puff every minute or two? It's. I don't. Th- I don't think there's a. Is there a limit on that? I thought it, you can't blow on the end to keep the the smolder going. You only get two matches to get it lit. It's. It's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> oh, no. So, Do all the contestants is, have charred lips? <laughs> well, and it's amazing because the CSWC, Cigar Smoking World Champion, that's how we're going to refer to it, they hold 35 qualifying tournaments in countries all over the world. And the everyone an- gets dressed up in tuxes like it's a real thing. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, yeah. And the annual world championship event is held in September in Split, Croatia. Uh, I think two years ago it was actually here in Nashville at uh, the the. Uh, Don't steal my thunder. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I've, I've been I've been building. I've been working this up. Okay, for I'm sorry. Ten I'm... minutes now, Trey. <laughs> down, boy, down. <laughs> okay. So for the sixth time, Darren Chiofi, owner and founder of Nashville, Tennessee-based Principal Cigars. There you go has broken the world record in slow-smoking a cigar. Okay, give me the actual retail time. I want to guess from both of you. See, whoever's close enough wins my eternal gratitude. Well, you said 45-minute cigar. It's a 45-minute cigar. How long did he stretch it out? 90? Two hours and 13 minutes. Got two hours and 13. What have we got from you? Uh, I said 90 minutes, so... Uh, I mean, hour and a half? Hour and a half. And Trey was the closest to the actual retail time without going over at... Three hours, 24 minutes, and 27 seconds. Wow. <laughs> and I'll beating the, just destroying the previous Russian set time of three hours, 14 minutes, and 36 seconds. So wow. I was only off by an hour for that one. Yeah, only an hour. <laughs> Don't but they have more, like, better things to be doing with that m- amount of time? I'm, I'm sorry for, like, crapping all over this, but I just, I just don't see the appeal. I don't get it at all. How, how can you enjoy the cigar if you're so focused on the clock? Well, how do you keep... But I can see the benefit of keeping that level of focus for three hours and 24 minutes and 27 seconds. Can you imagine the, yeah, the clarity? But I'd, I'd, yeah, but I'd rather travel 16 miles in that amount of time. <laughs> and I, well, you probably couldn't do this while jogging. No. <laughs> <laughs> the ash would be everywhere. It'd be a mess. And all, but you know, I wonder. And we really need to go to call Principal Cigars and see if we can get him on the podcast. Because I want to know: is it is it like these shark divers? Does he breathe deep and slow his heart rate? I mean, how does he get? How do you get down to that kind of time? Just make sure he doesn't listen to this episode first. Well, <laughs> yeah, here's Trey. He thinks what you're doing is is, yeah. is insane. But we really want to have you on the show. And I, we had a very famous NFL player in the store last night. And I, and I did not, I really wanted to ask him if he would be on the podcast, but I didn't want to interrupt him. Yeah, well, he tends to come in on Monday nights during football season and watch, watch the games here. So I, I, think, I think the opportunity is down the line. I, I, I would walk up to him and say, hey, you may say no, but if I don't ask, I'll never. Right. You know, so much, so much of life is step out on a limb, step out on the edge, and give it a try. You miss 100% of the shots you never take. Right? That's right. But I thought that was very exciting that a local man has broken the world record. That is. Kudos, bravo to him. 
I've never been to Principal Cigars. Have you been to Principal Cigars? I haven't. Didn't a friend of ours used to work there? Uh, they used to operate a bar. He used to also own a bar down in uh, the Gulch-ish area, Midtown, uh, that carried his cigars. So I had been to that, but never the actual cigar uh, place itself. So, okay, Shane, so it's time for us to get down to brass tacks. Yeah. Before you started making the cigar pins and kind of frequenting cigar lounges and talk, what was your impression of cigar smokers? Was well, it top hats and mount monocles? I say um, good day, sir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, kind of, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I never grew up smoking anything. You know, I never smoked cigarettes, uh, cigar, cigarweed, cigar nothing. You know, was, you know, it was, uh, you know, we had, um, you know, I'm, I'm a trumpet player. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to. Kind of need your lungs a little need bit. Need my lungs, right. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my, that was my main thing, you know, playing. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had asthma, so, uh, you know, I just stayed away from smoke. I, you know, um, I didn't have anybody in my family that smoked cigars. Uh, I just, you know, I, I would see them every once in a while. I didn't think a whole lot about them, really, you know. And then, um, you know, when, uh, when my friends, you know, getting a little older, you know, I, you know, notice people smoke cigars when they have a little free time. And it's like, you know, they enjoy it. They really enjoy it. And they enjoy the experience, it seems. You know, it's like hanging with your friends and talking and enjoying company and, and, uh, smoking a cigar that they could actually taste, you know, and, and, uh, they, it was kind of cool. And so I started talking to, to a lot of folks and trying to figure out, uh, how to jump into this, uh, world with both feet, you know? So, well, you know, we've, we've talked quite a bit on the show before about how, you know, we could give up cigars tomorrow. But it's the camaraderie around it. It's the experience, like you're talking about, that that's, that's the piece we would miss. Yeah. I mean, that's really, for me, that's the, that's the appeal. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's coming here, you know, on Friday night, last Friday, we were all lined up at the bar. There was eight of us. And we were discussing deep philosophical topics about manhood and about <laughs> the virtues of responsibility and all of these things. And it was just really a... You know, and some, now sometimes we have we tell a good fart joke. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> right? And I mean that. What's life? Yeah. But <laughs> but it is kind of that culture. What surprised you about the cigar culture? Um, it surprised me that um, that cigar smoking is um, it's not as dangerous as cigarette smoking. You know, like uh, one of the guys that comes in here all the time, Steve. Uh, my first cigar I ever smoked. Um, I may have been the only one that I can think of, <laughs> but uh, uh, he was telling me, uh, you know, about how they age the tobacco and how it's, uh, you know, it's laid in the in the storage areas and how they age it, uh, and it, some of it gets fermented and how the the carcinogens actually leave the tobacco leaf a lot, and I, I didn't know that. I thought, wow, and, and I know you don't inhale it, you know, I, I know you just let the let your palate, I guess, discern the smoke and uh, you you push it out and. And, uh, and sometimes it's joined together with uh, your favorite drink, you know, or, or a drink that complements what you're supposedly, like, tasting. Like, uh, again, I, I told you earlier, I, I think I may be part caveman. I don't, I don't know that I have a discerning palate. <laughs> well, and to talk about that, you know, a palate has to be developed. It's the same thing as the first time you pick up a trumpet. You can make it make noise. Yeah. But to make it beautiful, you have to really practice. You have to under, and it's the nuances. It's a, 
sixteenth of a millimeter. I used to play tuba, so it was a yeah. bigger range for me. But <laughs> trumpet is just a sixteenth of a millimeter tighter armature. Yep. But you didn't think I'd ever use that show that word on this show. <laughs> a, ti- a little tighter armature can make all the difference in the world in the notes. And I think your palate reflects that. I think as you're smoking your cigars and you start experiencing different cigars, and I always start it. So I always, when I start with people trying to develop a palate, I'll say, tell me where that feels on your tongue. <laughs> where, where are you feeling? Like this cigar I'm smoking right now, I'm feeling right on the kind of mid-left part of my tongue is where I'm getting the most sensation from this cigar right now. And there's all kinds of diagrams that talk about what part of your tongue gets sweet, sour, right, I've um, seen those, bitter, yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. And it's the same principle with cigars. So as you start, I kind of it's a physiological development for me more than a mental development. Yeah. And how do you do it, Trey? Uh, very similarly, you know, uh, it's, you know, I was, I actually went and smoked a cigar the other day that I hadn't smoked since maybe eight years ago or so that like when I was still really young in my cigar smoking and it was a cigar that I used to really love and it just wasn't the same thing that it used to be for me. And it, part of that's because your palate develops and changes. It was a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, it hit the front of my tongue. It was it was not what I typically smoke. It was still good, but it wasn't as mind-boggling as I remembered it being. Yeah. So, yeah, for the, for a lot of it, I, I look at when I'm especially when you're going to tasting things. This is where the different types of cuts and the different sizes, all of that makes a difference too. It's kind of like uh, wine glasses. You know, white wine and red wine have and different mm. types have different size and shape glasses to make that particular blend hit your tongue a certain way. It's very, very, very similar in that regard. Yeah. I'm, I have three kids, so I see, like, all the kids' movies. And uh, I'm imagining ratatouille, you know, and yeah. the, <laughs> the flavors. Now, combine this with this. and That's, that's interesting. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I had that discernment. <laughs> well, it's, it's like anything. It has to be developed. And, yeah. you know, the, so we spoke during the break. We were actually talking about you'd asked me about the tobacco by Drew Estate, the coffee-infused cigar. Yeah. And... I would never recommend somebody new to cigars start with flavored cigars. Which is funny because that's how so many people do. Yeah. That's, uh, especially the acid line by Drew Estate is where a lot of people make their entry point. But you do have the tendency to burn your palate out. Those are such bold, overpowering flavors that I, I think you can really, really wear your palate out with something like that. Well, my wife and I, we were talking about this the other day because she smoked flavored cigars for years. And she said, I'd like to get into something less flavored, more tobacco tasting. And because she switched from the acids to the um, Deadwood Tobacco Company cigars in Sturgis. And the um, Deadwood Tobacco cigars are just lightly flavored. So you get more of the tobacco, less of the oils that they use to flavor mm-hmm. them. And so she's she sees now there's so much more to that. And I'm like, we got to figure out kind of how to cleanse her palate and get it back to a, a even level. Yeah. That sounds like, uh, to me, I know that uh, I think coffee for me is more of a vehicle just to get uh, creamer in my body. <laughs> so I wondered if, like, the flavored cigars would be there. <laughs> my, my, my grandmother was like that. She yeah. used to have a little bit of coffee with her half and half. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Yeah, when I reserve like, you know, like two inches of space at the top of my coffee mug just to pour that much creamer in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> I think I have sweet teeth, not a sweet tooth. 
Well, and it is. It's about, you know, developing a palate's really, it takes time and it changes. It's a constantly evolving process. You know, the weather will affect my palate. Wow. And uh, when it gets colder, I like darker, richer cigars. When it gets warmer, I like lighter, more Connecticut and more sun-grown type cigars. Yeah. And it's also highly individualized. You know, there are going to be cigars that Shane and I both think are the best cigar ever made. And then there are going to be cigars that I think that and he thinks are dog turds. You know, it's, <laughs> there's, you know, there are some cigars that just hit everybody's palate a little bit differently. Even if you share some similarities with someone else, there's going to be stuff that hits here but not here. You know, it's like, we, you know, there's a saying in the industry, if everyone had the same palate, there'd only be one cigar on the shelves in there. Right. Yeah. Well, you know... Um, <laughs> And as you get further into the cigar smoking and get further into the cigar industry, you start finding master blenders. You know, I've said it before on the show, Willie Herrera and I share a palate. Um, whatever Willie blends is generally a home run swing for me. Yeah. And I know, AJ, you're probably or AJ, more AJ Fernandez, Trey. Yeah. Uh, more to the point, I'd say Don Papin Garcia is that for me. I, Everything that he puts his hands on is a home run for me. Uh, we just, we have a similar palette. And, you know, these guys are like rock stars of the cigar industry. They're yeah. guys that have been around, that have spent their life in it. They've been smoking cigars since before we were in diapers. Oh, yeah, they were born, Willie Herrera was born, rolled a cigar and handed it to the doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's all about how you... You know, how you grew up, what you've been around. I never started smoking cigars till I was in my 30s. And uh, I was actually a pretty late... I started smoking cigars when my pastor actually got me started smoking cigars. Yeah. We were doing a Bible study, and afterwards we would go out in the yard and we would have a cigar and talk about the Bible study. Yeah. And that's, that's actually where this whole thing started. Now, Trey's much, many more years of cigar smoking under his belt than I have. Yeah, I actually started on my 18th birthday. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting, too, that our palates are so similar, given, y you know, the fact that you've you've got about eight years in now, and I'm sitting at about 13 or 14. And, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to see how, you know, when you're that young, you're still figuring out what food you like. <laughs> I mean, I, I barely liked coffee yet at that point, and now I'm a slave to coffee for the flavor, not for the... A dairy to creamer, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, so it, it's it's interesting as your as your palate is developing still in other ways. How your how the cigars? I started with very very light cigars, Connecticut wrappers that nowadays I would consider to be completely flavorless, and at the time I thought were really good and complex. And you know, as as I started to evolve, you know, started developing a, a flavor for bold coffee and things like that. I also started developing those flavors for bolder uh, cigars as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and sometimes you even get a little palate burnout where you'll actually step back and say, "Okay, my c I'm not getting as much from my cigars as I used to," and you'll stop. You know, you'll either stop smoking or you'll only smoke light or you'll reel it back in. You know, when I'm, I've got a cruise in a couple of weeks, and when I go on my cruise, I don't worry about what I eat. I don't worry about what I smoke. I don't worry about how much I sleep. I'm, when I'm here, I'm always thinking about what am I eating, what's my workout schedule, what's, you know. Yeah. I usually rarely smoke more than one cigar a day. Um, a lot of times, if um, we're here at night, I'll have a couple. Mm -hmm. But 
um, rare, it's rare when I'm on my own to smoke more than one a day. And when I get back from the cruise, I'll probably cut it way back, and instead of smoking a 6x60, six I'll smoke a petite one a day, and I'll kind of get my palate restructured. Yeah. Well, kind of bringing it back to, to your stuff a little bit, you, you do a lot of stuff with the Opus brand. Yeah. And that was one of those cigars that I, I had my first Opus late in my cigar kind of tenure. And for for what they are, they're actually a fairly light-bodied cigar. Yeah. And that was kind of what got me back. I, I had gotten onto this trend where I was going, so bolder, 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 kick me in the teeth with strength. We were talking about the Ashton VSG on yeah. the break. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of a cigar that it's really good cigar, but just really packs a punch. And it was through uh, getting connected with the Opus, that, which is a little bit milder cigar but still brings a lot of flavor, that I started going, oh, wait a minute. I'm just I'm so focused on getting more and more strength out of my cigars that I'm missing a really great segment of the of the cigar marketplace. And yeah, and your, your palate changes, you know, over time, sometimes uh, because you seek it out, other times because it just sort of happens. Yeah. Now, do you smoke alcohol or do you smoke alcohol? <laughs> That'd be rough. Yeah, that would be rough. Do you drink alcohol? Actually, there's nothing I've ever tried that I just love. I, you know, I like lemonade. Uh, I like Gatorade. I like water, uh, you know. I just, I like, I just drink a lot of water, uh, you know. Um, yeah, lemonade, it's kind of where uh, Chick Fil A lemonade is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I have a sweet tooth, and I haven't really matured my my, my taste buds either, you know, because I like creamer and I like uh, I like it's like sweet uh, lemonade, you know. But I'm pretty, I'm a pretty simple guy. <laughs> so, well, and you know, Trey and I famously, Trey used to really enjoy beers and things like that. I've never been a beer guy. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't care less for it. Not my thing. Right. Um, good whiskey, and I can have a shot of good whiskey today, and not have a shot for six more six months to a year, and it never be a deal in my life. Right. And also, I'm kind of in the middle between <laughs> between someone that drinks a lot and someone that never drinks. Yeah. yeah I, there was nothing that I ever you know tried. I, when I was 12, my brother was standing there with a beer with my dad, and my brother was 24 when I was 12. And, um, you know, I was playing basketball. It was in the summer. It was hot. You know, I'm sweating. And, and uh, he's standing there with a beer. And my, my dad never drank. There was never beer in the house. And, and so my brother's standing there with a beer. That kind of looked strange to me. So, you know, I went up and they were talking. And I was staring at it because I really wanted to try it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just keep staring. Like, well, I want to try that. And so uh, uh, he, uh, he said, here, you want to try this? And my lo- I looked at my dad like, you heard that, right? <laughs> and, uh, my dad said, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I did the Rusty Griswold on the front bumper, you know, where he chugged it. <laughs> you know, I thought, this is my chance. I got to try this. And, oh, man, I, I thought he tricked me. I thought he set me up. I thought, he can't be drinking this on purpose. Like, oh, yeah. It's like your dad knew what he was yeah. putting you in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's amazing how much wisdom our old men had. Like, you know it. Yeah. He knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And so that, that was about the last time. I, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't drink in college. I was like, no, I don't like that. Man. So, kind of coming to the end of the show, before we wrap it up, I do want to talk about, so what kind of, so if someone wants to commission a pin from you, yeah, do you have stock ones that they go on website and they find, do they send you, how do you get, how do you get business? Well, um, I guess let me back up a little bit. I'm a teacher, and uh, I teach a lot, and uh, um, so I, I don't have a whole lot of stock. I, what I do is I buy pins, uh, and I get these, when I make a cigar pin, I get a ceramic tip roller ball, or I get a fountain pen. I get a really, 
uh, high-quality pen. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, the first pen I ever made that looked like a cigar took me about eight hours to make. <laughs> and uh, and I, I have a wonderful father-in-law, and uh, and I was showing it to him, but he's he's a real strong big strong built guy he wrestled in high school and you know he's real you know he's rough you know and he he uh, I handed it to him I'm really proud of this thing you know and uh, I, I handed it to him and he I made it out of a pen that had some plastic you know stuff in it and he uh he didn't know how it went together and he just shoved it together and broke it oh, <laughs> I was like no no this is my father-in-law though so I didn't act like anything I was like oh thank you no problem I'll get it you know but uh, it was trash. <laughs> so, and it hit me like, you know, if I'm going to make a pin for someone, I'm going to make something that's uh, the best quality I can make, uh, even in the kit, as far as the kits that I buy. And so uh, I get this ceramic tip rollerball pins that write uh, like some of the best writing, writing instruments you can get. You know, they, they write really well. And they don't expand and, you know, contract with temperature and humidity because it's ceramic, you know. Uh, so I get the rollerball, and then I'll, I'll get, or I'll get a fountain pen, you know, and uh, and so in the process of making these, I, I just whenever someone wants one, I'll if I don't have the box, which I go and collect boxes and I collect labels. Uh, I had to get really OCD with my labels because I had uh, the first thing somebody gave me a big bag of labels, and and if I wanted to find something, I had to search for 20 minutes in a bag. So I went and got a bunch of baseball card organizer, you know. Uh, things in a, in a notebook, and uh, I got super OCD and, and alphabetized all these cigars. So that's when I really had to start learning what was what, you know, and putting them in order and putting them in these little sleeves, that little baseball card sleeves. So I collect the the labels. So there's a lot of labels that I have, and a lot that I don't have, you know, uh, and boxes. And I, I try to find boxes that are unique and cool that I think now someone may like this, you know. So like this uh, this cool um, this Avo. That looks like a record player. Yeah, you know, that I mean, that might and might pique someone's interest that loves music and old records and vinyl, you know. And and uh, and there's a cigar pin in there, so that that's kind of that's cool. I, I enjoy that that part of it, how that the cigar world kind of crosses over. And so, uh, you know, that's that's what I do. I collect boxes and labels, and then if somebody says, "Hey, I want this," and I don't have it, I'll go try to find it, you know, or see if they have one, you know, and I'll make it. To, to whatever their specifications, you know. So people can just private message you on Facebook to talk about it? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I have a Facebook page called CigarPens.net, and they can go to my page and they can send me a message. Or uh, um, if my my information is, uh, I don't know if they can call me on there. They're welcome to if I had my number on there. <laughs> but, well, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll tag you in everything that we post sure. leading up this week when we're, when we're showing off your pens and stuff so that people can, can get a hold of you. Yeah, thank you. And the actual Facebook page is CigarPens.net by Shane Kimbrough. Yes, sir. And uh, so if you like that page, you'll see different things come up. I've showed it to several people here in the shop this week talking to them about you coming on the show and showing yeah. us kind of what you had and all. And we really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for the, the cigar picks. That's awesome. You're that's, welcome. That's yeah. one of the... You, you may get Guest of the Year Award because that's one of the best <laughs> guest gifts we have received. Absolutely. Well, I'm honored. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll enjoy them a lot, but had a lot of fun having you on. Trey, how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, so while you're on Facebook checking out Shane's stuff, uh, pop on over to facebook.com slash thecigarcast and where you'll see some of the pictures uh, from today's show. And then also we're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast as well. So, everyone, thanks for listening this week, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. 